Recording in progress. Thank you all for joining me. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, I just come boldly before your throne of grace. God, thank you so much for just being a part of our lives. Thank you for giving us to your thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving giving us access to you, God. So, God, just let us receive your word today. Allow me to deliver your word exactly the way that you have given it to me. The interpretation that you have allowed me to understand it through the power of your Holy Spirit, God. And I just pray that everyone that is listening be able to receive your word and apply what they need to apply in their lives, God. I thank you so much for just filling me with your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me access to you. I just pray today that you allow me to minister grace to the hearer and minister whatever I need to minister to the sinner so that we all could just fulfill your plan, will, and purpose, God. Because we all sin every day. We, we have all fallen short of your glory, God. And so just allow us to continue to be in your presence. Allow us to continue to uh, receive your word and understand your word and interpret your word, God. We just thank you. We appreciate you, God. We thank you for listening to us, God. That is so important to us for you to give us access to be able to commune with you and communicate with you is so important. Communication with you, God, is so important. And so allow us to continue to communicate with you about everything, no matter what the situation is. And God, whatever questions that people may have, whatever it is, God, let them seek you, God. Let them seek you and call on your name so that you can answer their prayers. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. But most importantly, Father God, please forgive me. Most importantly, please allow your will to be done. Not ours, not anyone else's for our lives, but your will be done in our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Lost Life and Health. Let's talk about it. So I know that I said on Tuesday that I was done with the Love, Hate, and Benevolence um, podcast. But actually, I am not done um because the lord put on my heart to talk to you all about communication so yesterday in class i actually did a um a facilitation discussion on um just cultural competence interpersonal incompetence um or in, you know interconnections uh i i so i want to actually talk about that on the podcast just so that I can make things clear to everybody. And I think that God had, like God had already been put this on my heart. I'm not sure why I even didn't mention this, but maybe I could create a sermon that is specifically talks about communication because communication is so important. Um, I've learned so much just from being able to communicate with people, even when you're mad, you're hurt, you're in pain, you're upset. Communication is the key. Okay. So like if you, if you are able to communicate with God, when you're going through problems 
and when you're going through everything that you're going through in your life what what no matter the adversity because remember when it rain or a storm or or thunder it cannot last forever right because that is only temporary so let me go ahead and share my screen Hey, hold on one second before i do that give me one moment please So this should be pretty good today because um this is a word from the lord that god gave me about communication so we need to all know how to communicate despite what you're feeling you still need to communicate don't just be silent if you're going through a storm or tsunami it can't last forever so communicate 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 again with God and just know that everything is going to be all right when you communicate. Okay. So go ahead and put this up here. Oops. I posted it there. Okay. All right. So what I would like to do is start off with a Bible verse. So let me go ahead and share my screen. All right. And please excuse the sound. I am not at home. Okay. Um. So we're going to go to the the scripture of first timothy verses one through four it says i urge then first of all that petitions prayers intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority that we we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness this is good and pleases god our savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth so what god wants for us is he wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth true things right meaning that all of our petitions all of our concerns every single issue every single problem every single burden prayer petitions intercession your thanksgiving every single thing that you're going through good or bad you you should be talking to god giving the authority to god so that you can live in peace and have quiet lives in all godliness and in holiness so this is good and pleases god our savior so god wants all people not it, it doesn't say some people it didn't just say your family and friends god says all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth so this is the the what god wants but it doesn't necessarily equate 
to everyone making their petitions, making their prayers, making their intercession, their thanksgiving, their concerns, their burdens, their worries, their problems, their issues. They're not bringing it all to the throne. So God wants us to bring these problems and everything that we're experiencing in life. If you are without problems, I repeat, if you are without any issue in your life, this is not the podcast for you. Okay? So, it's important for us all to understand that God wants us to live a quiet life of godliness and holiness. And we do that when we make our petitions, our prayers, our requests to the Lord. All right? So, I want to share this. Let me go ahead and uh, I'm going to stop the share and then I'm going to reshare the actual um, PowerPoint. Okay. So that's what I would like to do. Let me share this PowerPoint. Okay. All right, here we go. So let me, um, let me start this from the beginning. Hopefully it's still sharing. Right, let me swap this okay all right let me stop share and then i'll share again that way i'm making sure that i'm sharing the appropriate thing okay, okay so now everybody should be able to see the facilitation discussion so i wanted to talk about this because i found this article so interesting this was one of one of the most interesting brilliant articles that i have ever read all right this is a, a facilitation discussion that i did in school yesterday i didn't get a chance to finish it all but it was so interesting and this is an article by hazel uh simonetti article um walking pathways toward becoming a culturally competent evaluator boundaries borderlands and border crossings all right this is so interesting because it talks about cultural competence we all need to have cultural competence now mind you i have all i've studied a lot of different articles that discusses cultural competence but it wasn't in depth like this all right and i like the reflections and so let me just go ahead and get into this today. All right. So starting out, basically, um, these are some excerpts from the Simonetti article. So cultivating evaluative thinking and reflexive uh, practice by spotlight spotlighting its intrinsic value, relevance and utility, most notably uh, through underscoring the intimate interconnections among excellence in program design, implementation, and ongoing improvement. Rather than an alien, externally imposed activity primarily driven by accountability compliance, concerns, uh, sustainable engagement in the evaluation process dwells in its inform and improve dimensions, right? So what this means is this. When you are communicating with people that are outside of your culture, it's important to cultivate to their their norms. All right. Um, 
So, although the excerpt, it sounds great to begin a program, right? And so, what I was talking about is the program evaluation. But ultimately, this, this can be beneficial for when we are meeting other people and we are engaging with other cultures. So, I wanted to talk about this because cultures impact the type of love, hate, and benevolent groups that you communicate with. So, like, for instance, I wanted to say, um, well, yesterday I talked about in class, I suggested that although we all experience the dominant race of Caucasians, who sometimes, they do sometimes support the Western thinking, the Western civilization and the ideologies of Western civilization that have caused a lot of racism to occur in society, that have caused a lot of inequity and a lot of inequality, right? And so we have these values and these norms and set of principles that Western thinkers have always employed. But what I said was this. Western thinkers, Western civilization, they have their beliefs that they grew up with. These are part of their regular norms. So their regular norms are thinking from a Western civilization perspective. Individuals that are minorities, they are going to be thinking from the stance of the things that they have endured. Meaning that they are they have been disenfranchised, they're um underserved communities, you have disparities, you have inequity, inequality, you have prejudice, you have racism, you have a combination of so many different things that reflects the ideology of minority communities. And so the reason why these ideologies are being reflected is because of the endurance, the experience, and the pre-existing thoughts and belief systems, right? And as long as you have individuals that have these pre-existing thoughts and beliefs, they're always going to be reflective on those type of beliefs. So in order to cultivate to something different and create these shared powers, right? Um, so right now, we know that the dominant, supposedly the dominant race is the Caucasian race. And so we have many individuals that are in power that have this Western civilization ideology. And that Western civilization is something that, you know, many countries have shooed upon within America. And so you think of these ideologies that are negatively impacting society how can we say to a caucasian person hey you know everything you taught was wrong everything you are is wrong everything about your belief system is wrong and how can caucasians then say to the the minority community of hispanic asians and african americans you know everything you taught was wrong everything you do is wrong your entire life is wrong so if we continue on in these efforts that is problematic, when do we ever reach a solution? So in order to neutralize the situation, 
We need to be able to create values that are respectful to other people. Yes, there are people in this world that has Western civilization ideology. There are also people in this world that have been disenfranchised with poverty in underserved communities that have so many disparities. And so that is their ideology, right? Just like you have individuals who are in higher education and they are considered privileged. So how do we sort of balance this? this uh, yes, if you have a question, please go ahead and put it right here in the Q&A or you can put it in the chat and I'll respond to it there. So how do we sort of compensate for these um, ideologies to make them relevant for all people? Well, the first thing that we have to do is listen to the beliefs of those that you oppose. How can there be shared power? How can there be respect for values if there isn't cultural competence? For instance, in this article, although this excerpt sounds great to begin a program, right? A program evaluation in order to cultivate evaluative thinking there needs to be individuals that have positive thoughts beliefs values and attitudes many times everyone will want to cultivate evaluative thinking but without shifting focus from negative defeated thoughts the outcome may be influenced by a pessimistic approach so you have people who when they look at something all they see is the negative because they're pessimistic they don't see opportunity uh, they're not trying to be op optimistic right so that they have these pessimistic problematic negative thoughts and beliefs and values that they automatically feel towards the people that they oppose or the people that they completely disagree with some may may um agree with them a little bit but not too much so okay i'm a support of this part but not that right so we have to have people that are able to identify the interest that places emphasis on failure as being a form of opportunity and not a level of defeat so people that can say you know what we've messed up here this is where we have messed up these are the things that we can correct. It isn't about, you know, you're feeling that, well, I don't like that idea or I don't like this. So for instance, when you think about the LGBTQ community and you think about how they are forcing their values on everyone, some people may say, well, we're not forcing our values. We're being who they want to be. They're being whoever they want to be. But in actuality, it is cultural appropriation. And there's nothing wrong with cultural appropriation. I talked about this the other day on Tuesday. But it's about being able to understand the utility that is associated with these interconnections that we have for people. How can you say that this person who believes in Western civilization and they have Western thinking and ideologies yes they have these thoughts yes they have all of these things but this is how they were raised this is what they believe so really since i've been in school i have really pushed for communication efforts 
that will employ opportunities to have discussions that may be uncomfortable for people. Sometimes we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with situations. And yes, conversations can lead to conflict, but you can't reach conflict resolution without going through the conflict. So in order to understand these interconnections that we all have, because we are all innately similar, but we are different. So how do we sort of level the playing field here? So I'm not going to talk about the design implementation or any improvement because that would be like gibberish, you know, that that's jargon to you all. You're like, okay, what are you talking about there? Right. So, but I, I just wanted to show this PowerPoint because it's, it's kind of important to cultivate evaluative thinking in every single process. And how do we do that? We see in the scripture, the word of God tells us, let me try to minimize this because the word of God tells us, let me stop this share. And then let me minimize this for one moment. Go back here. I don't know why it's not letting me. Lord Jesus, help me. Okay. So I'm going to go out of here. Wait. Okay, so I'm going to just keep it up here like this, you guys. So, so everybody can see it. Let me make it a little bigger. All right. So basically the article um discusses a lot of great points but going back to the word of god it says i urge then first of all that petitions prayers intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people we need to be going to the throne we need to be going to the throne of grace talking to god about the things that we're experiencing and the things that we're going through the things that we see God wants us to talk to him. So let me go ahead and share the screen again. So there was recently something that happened here in Chicago where a 14-year-old had killed a man that had punched or assaulted, physically assaulted his mom. And so his mom was licensed to carry and a concealed to carry a concealed weapon and also the 14 year old when he went inside the store um i guess he shot the guy and then twice in his back and then he died um and so the mom and the son had went to jail for six days when they went to jail they got out of jail and now they filed a lawsuit against the chicago uh police department now, I wanted to point out a few things about this. When we think about just the utility of things and how our perceived values are for within our culture. Now, I don't know if everyone is going to agree with me on this, but I'm going to say this, that it is so important to understand things from not your own perspective, but from the perspective of God. And I want to say this thing about the situation with the with them going to jail and now they filed a lawsuit. Okay, this is what the Lord gave me on this. 
I had a, a, a conversation about this um this morning with my mom and another um uh well with my with someone and so we was having this conversation and we had the conversation we were talking about well they they had opinions and i had an opinion and my mom she like kind of like eventually agreed with me so i just want to say this that in a situation where the mom she had her license to carry she had her concealed to carry and from what i observed in this situation i believe that the prosecution had mercy on them i believe that the prosecution showed a lot of mercy on them i did a podcast on um the the purge chicago purge right or media propaganda to keep to uh inmate to keep inmates in prison that's the name of it chicago purge or media prop propaganda to keep inmates in prison and i talked about the illinois safety act i went to the actual bill and i read the bill so since i've been in illinois i've noticed that in illinois they are not really upholding the illinois safety act that went into effect january 1st of 2023 so all everything that they really pr pretty much implemented in the illinois safety act is not being you know implemented into illinois law at least for now from what i've noticed um and so what i would like to say specifically is that chicago has a lot of police officers that have really been doing a lot of wrong to people and so the chicago police department is always being sued and um basically looking at this case in its entirety and understanding the ins and outs of what occurred and how they occurred um many people i'm not sure if you all know but on the video the mom told the son to go get back in the car but he did not go get back in the car he stood there and so yes it's important to for us to be able to defend our parents and everything like that but we we have to understand the law and what the law says the law says that the person who has a concealed to carry and the person who have a con yeah concealed and a, a foy card you have to make sure that your gun is put up your gun has to be locked you have to make sure that no one else has access to your gun this is just law okay you cannot give anyone access to your weapon so for a 14 year old to have access to a weapon that puts them in danger and it also this allows them from you know they're they're going to be subjected to having to use it if they needed to use it so it shouldn't have been locked even though the gun was in the glove compartment the, the the gun was supposed to be locked inside of the glove compartment all right so the child should not have had access to it the reason why i'm saying this is because it's not about who's right it's about what the facts are and the facts are what's really important I wanted to specifically point out that the prosecution I felt was being merciful to this family. I think that they was because of what the mom had experienced. She was beat and then she went to jail. Um, the 14 year old honor roll student who had never been in trouble. But really what the law says is that the Floyd holder, the concealed to carry, that person needs to make sure that that weapon is locked safe, right? 
that child should have never had access to that weapon to be able to use it. Now, some people may say, okay, well, that's my mom. See, I'm not looking at any of that. I'm only discussing what the facts are. It doesn't matter about the color. It doesn't matter about what occurred. I am looking at the facts. The facts are a Floyd holder must lock their weapon up. They must make sure that no one has open access to their weapons. Do you understand? These are the facts. So with him having access to this weapon and him having access to be able to use the weapon, put him at risk. He does not own a FOID. He does not have a, he does not have a, a license to conceal to carry. So if it would have been just say, for instance, and, and I want you all to really fully understand this. OK, because this is so important. So when we're understanding not just what's happening within our culture, but also what is happening in the culture of other people. All right. So when you understand that this child had access to this, he shot the man because he is a child. He does have emotions. He does have feelings. He's, he does want to protect his mom. So that goes without saying he had access to the weapon. So whatever he did without the weapon after having access, in, in which this weapon was not locked safely, then that means that they, when they were sent to jail for six days, I believe that the God, we th those people were in prayer. We I prayed for them. I know I'm not the only one that prayed. So when God prays for a person, I said, wait, 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 that, that was wrong. You know, I pray that God released them. And I prayed. So I know that there, there are so many different things that I pray about where I probably should have a, a prayer podcast that pray for nonstop for three hours. You know what I'm saying? Like three hours a week because I would pray for very long periods of time. And I would like to have some prayer warriors. That's why I say if you all would like to be a prayer partner or like would like to send a prayer request, please do send it. Because I'm interested in having prayer warriors to pray. And we could pray about the country. We pray about politics. We pray, pray about different bills that are getting passed. Pray for Congress certain Congress, um, you know, just pray about everything that's going on in the world that we see or that we hear. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's just something that I wanted to say specifically, but when it comes to them going to jail and then them being set free, that was God. That was God. God used that prosecutor to have mercy on the people. And so what I was reading was it, it showed that they, had actually received a lot of pressure from within the black community and so i was thinking like okay well you know this is this is good that we all come together and i'm so ecstatic thank you god for like releasing her. i was happy when she they have a video of her running up to her son hugging him and i'm like yes god yes you know but then when i heard that they actually filed a lawsuit i was like Okay, so now I'm sure that the prosecution probably will most likely never want to 
release anybody with a concealed to carry and someone else uses the gun. I think that when we are in situations where God is being God in our life, we need to hold on to the things that God is giving us. We need to appreciate those things because what they went through actually was an act of God with re releasing them from jail. And I feel that the God softened the prosecutor's heart to release them from jail and to turn around and file a lawsuit. It doesn't show anything to that child. Like what did he learn from this situation? He learned that if you have a concealed to carry, you can't, you can't kill somebody. And when you go to jail, you can get out and you can sue them. The entire situation itself, to me, was all wrong. And yes, that young man, that man that died, yes, it was very unfortunate for him. But guess what? He has to see God and he's going to have to stand before God. That's not our place to say okay he deserved this he deserved that and he she deserved this and that is so good they get out now they deserve to be sued all of it this is a chain reaction of events like a ripple effect you have to understand that when we all stand before god we have to give an account of everything that we've done in our life not one single deed so it's not just you're judged for one act no you judge for everything that's what the bible talks about so we need to be able to teach our youth that it's not okay. So like if I if I, I have a license or a Ford car and a concealed to carry, you think that I'm not going to have talks with my kids about me having a Ford and the guns, guns in the house? So of course, there has to be some pre-existing conversations with the mother and the child about having the gun, about her having a FOIA card, about her having a license to conceal the carry, about her having access to a gun all the time. It would be foolish to believe that a parent doesn't talk to their child when they are licensed to carry. So we know that we can assume that there were previous conversations with, with mom and child about the gun. Because whenever you have a Floyd and a license concealed to carry, anyone else is in the, in the household, the gun had to be put up safe and locked away. So what I'm trying to say is this. When somebody have mercy on us, we need to appreciate what God is doing. We need to, when God moves his hand in our life and is orchestrating things in our life, we need to appreciate it. And forgive. And I'm going to just leave that there. Okay. So that's the, that's, those are my thoughts. And some may say, well, what, what are your actual thoughts? I just said what I thought.
So you interpret it the way that you need. But I'm just going to say that we are supposed to have forgiveness in our heart. And even though it's difficult to do a lot of different things, that was an act of mercy that God showed on that child that being released from jail. Okay. So going back to the uh, Simonetti article, when we think about this cultural competence, we have to say, okay, well, the prosecution, they did let the mom and son out of jail. But now with filing the lawsuit, it's like, that's a slap in the face. It's like, okay, you know what? We let, we let them out of jail and now they filing a lawsuit. We're not going to let anyone else, if they're not licensed to carry, if they don't have a FOIA card and they use a weapon or shoot someone, they're going to jail. You just now made it harder and more difficult for other people in situations like that. Because you are required, if you have a weapon, you are required to have a FOIA or a license to the license concealed to carry in order to use a weapon regardless of the circumstance so that was an act i must repeat that was an act of mercy that god showed them simple as that there's no way around it so understanding cultural competence in this situation you can clearly tell that going forward in the city of Chicago, you don't see too many acts of mercy like that going on. This is not the South where uh, everyone can have a gun. No, in Chicago, you can't have a gun in a car. You better not even be walking with a gun, period. They don't play those type of things down here. And then some people with guns, they might end up shot. So this, this was much, you know, like, and, and this situation here, it shows how it can be switched around. So it's important for us to understand that, like, although we may not agree with certain things, we all need to work together collectively in order for us to have shared power. So how do we have these shared powers? Well, we can work on processes from the inside out by building up our perceived values, relevance, rather than the external influences. Don't allow these external influences to influence the goodness in you. If you are seeing people do certain things that are unethical, and wrong speak up and say something about it implementing diversity with diverse persons so it's not people that have disabilities how do you how do you treat a person with a disability you treat them like a person they have diverse abilities groups these under implementing their perspectives their positions within organizations and institutions and once we do that, it allows us to understand people from not just our own perspective, 
but uh, it'll allow communication efforts of us to be reflective. Hold on one second, please. Uh-uh. Nope. Uh-uh. I was, I'm going to let y'all know when it's ready. It's still in there. I'm doing my podcast right now, okay? All right. Well, I have JJ come down and let you know, okay? Okay. All right. JJ. Mm-hmm. You're going to let them know when it's done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, I'm back, everybody. I was making some um, turkey roast with green beans, potatoes, and some gray seasoning. Okay? So, the neighbors wanted some. My mom's neighbors. And uh, that's what I'm making. Right here. A few people in the building. Okay? So, I apologize about that. So, now... When we are reflective with maintaining values and relevance on research topics, in my opinion, we should require people to be culturally hybrid, meaning we should be able to understand overlapping identities to culturally ascribe through transparency, explicit reflexivity of self-conscious awareness, the acceptance of the other positionality. So if you are within the LGBTQ and transgender population. That's you, right? That's what you choose to partake in. But that doesn't mean that I have to participate in your pronouns. I don't have to participate in any of it. So you don't force anything on me. Like I'm not gonna force my beliefs on you. If you don't, you tell me I don't wanna hear the word of God, you don't have to listen to it. That's between you and God. I don't force anything on nobody. Everything that we do in this world is voluntary. God gives me choice. God gives you choice. We all are doing things voluntary. So what I talked about um, specifically is being able to understand what is going on with other people through our own self-analysis. If we are not being reflective of ourselves, how can we be, you know, how can we even help other people? There needs to be a continuation of self-analysis. And we do that through petitions, prayers, and intercessions to God. If you see something, you pray about it. Pray about what you see. Pray about what you hear. Because God hears everything. I'm going to say that again. Pray about what you see. Pray about what you hear. So it is imperative for us to clarify our positionality. So how do we how do we tell people, okay, first of all, our positionality is saying, look, this is how I feel. I don't support the LGBTQ or transgender population, but if you are coming to church with me and I see you in church, I am going to speak and I will pray for you. Do I support the acts of what the LGBTQ represent? Absolutely not. So if you come in under that umbrella, you have a name. What is your name? Okay, so like, what is your name? 
And so the way I feel about it is we have to have a dynamic culture by being respectful to other people and their values and their beliefs. It doesn't mean that with cultural appropriation, I have to push and pressure everyone in the world to know what my sexual preference is. I think that your sexual preference is private unless you're using it for the purpose of a testimony. And you're saying, okay, I was this way and now I'm not. I'm doing this. This is what God is, has brought me out of. You know, personal things should be shared when it's used spiritually to help other people come out of situations. That's why God said, it says in the word that we are saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. They were saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So our testimony is what allows other people to have intercultural competence with us. And when we are not understanding understanding these interconnections, then we become intercultural incompetent. So you want to have the knowledge and skills that it needs for you to be able to communicate with God. Pray to God about everything that you're going through. Pray to God about what you see. So the article really discusses the interconnections and working with multicultural diverse environments such as in higher education that should employ inclusivity but if inclusivity violates boundaries boundaries should always be president over anything else we need to acknowledge through validation and full development of diverse gifts and talents for all people how do we do that? We do that through communicating with them. So if you are a LGBTQ, you are a transgender person, you are a civil, uh, uh, Western civilization thinker, you are a disenfranchised person, everybody needs to come together and talk. There needs to be communication efforts made. So, yes, it could lead to conflict. Absolutely, yes. It could be an argument or a debate. But you should be able to sit there and talk about it. Talk about what needs to be addressed in this world. Because the LGBTQ person, they've experienced things in their life. The transgender person experienced things in their life. The, the, Western, the Western civilization thinker is still believing what they are doing is correct. And the disenfranchised person just feels like, look, I'm just over my head with it. They're tied too. But in order to create shared levels of power, you have to be able to talk about things that could make you uncomfortable. So, for example, when we are like discussing slavery and oppression, we have these oppression narratives. And I, I talked about this because I have to listen to oppression narratives for a long time in school. My kids don't endure no racism. I don't think like with anybody else outside of their family um, because I married a man who was, uh, his family is in the Ku Klux Klan. They are fully embedded. His grandfather is a wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, they, which is the head of the Ku Klux Klan. His mom has all, all of their names are KKK. 
first name, initial K, middle name, initial K, last name, initial K. So KKK. And I didn't know this at first. It took a long time for me to um, meet the maternal side of his family. And when I did, it wasn't, it wasn't nice. It wasn't a nice welcoming experience. Maybe with a few people, but not everyone. And so what I'm trying to say is, is that through that lived experience, it allowed me to see the perspective of a lot of different things. But we cannot have ongoing dynamic cultures without having the knowledge and skills that we need to be successful. And that knowledge and skills is going to come from God. God gives us the direction for us to overcome biases for us to be able to have a, a long, ongoing personal homework for ourselves, where we, we're having a continuation of self-analysis. What am I doing? How are you contributing to the problem? If all you see is negative, 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 then you're a pessimistic person. If you see the combination of good things and bad things, well, then your lens, you're looking at things from a different perspective. But when you're looking at life through the lens of the way God wants you to, and you're not leaning on your own understanding, God is going to allow you to see the world differently. True. You're going to, you can see through. You can see the demon. You can hear when a demon is speaking. You can hear all of these different things. Because guess what? God has gifted you to have discernment. So it doesn't matter what group you're encountering, whatever love, hate, benevolent group it is, it doesn't matter about what form of communication they have, you're going to identify the spirit that is governing that person. So for example, discussing slavery and oppression. My kids, I literally, literally love diversity. My son, if he's working on something, he'll be like, hey, you know, this purple guy, purple guy over there, blue guy, gray guy, all y'all, come on, help me put up this roof. My son, like, putting up roofs. He works on roofs and construction. So, like, he, he was putting up solar panels and stuff, but he doesn't do that anymore. So... We need to have this cultural competence that God wants us to have. So instead of us always talking about slavery and oppression, tell me about a time when you intervened when you saw someone acting racist. If I grew up in a poverty-stricken neighborhood where there's poor people, or you know, if I grew up in a, a disenfranchised community or underserved community, that means what? That means that I can tell you a poverty story a disenfranchised story. I can tell you about people in the underserved community. I can tell you about all of that. So if you are Caucasian and you grew up with family members that you saw was racist, what did you do? How did you intervene when you saw them acting that way? So what I've learned and what I figured out was many people that grow up in racist homes, they leave, they leave the home. They leave the home because many of their friends, they have friends that are, you know, um, of minority. They, they don't have too many of them, but they have some. And they don't want to be involved 
in a family and a racist activity. So they leave. They may not even talk to a lot of their family members for a long time. But guess what? The problem is with that. The problem is, is that when you do nothing, you contribute to the problem. Because guess what? You are the one that can influence your household. See, let's go to this scripture. I want to go to this scripture. So I'm going to go to Matthew 10. So Matthew 10 and go to, uh, go to 34 through 39. So do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So understand verse 37, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So what God is saying is this, if you are in the household where there's hate, God, don't, you're not a part of that hate. So yes, God did separate you. God may separate you from your mother and your father. God may separate you from your, your uh, daughter and the mother. God may separate the daughter-in-law with the, 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 the mother-in-law. Because guess what? A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And what does that mean? That means that if they are doing mean evil things worldly secular carnal minded things god don't want you a part of that because he already knew that your heart wasn't going to be a part of that so you're not embarking on those type of print uh, with those type of principles you know you're not racist god knew that about you so god knows you there's nothing that you have to prove to anyone else about that right okay so God will separate. If you have a question, please go ahead and put it in Q&A here. Or you can put it in a chat and then I'll respond to you there. So God knew all of these different things. You don't have to prove anything to anyone else. But what I'm saying specifically is this. If we don't come together collectively as a people, there will continue to be separation. And if, like I said, if I grew up in poverty, which I actually... I would say that I did grow up in poverty because a lot of times we didn't have even enough food in the house. I would drink water a couple of times just to get full. And a lot, some places that we were, I don't know what my mom was doing with, with the money. I don't know. But she was getting money from my dad. My daddy had to pay child support. Okay. Even though he was taking care of us. And so... When I grew older, now I'm in higher education. Guess what? My socioeconomic status changed. And now when you are in higher education, you are what? Privileged. Whether or not you identify as privileged or not, it doesn't matter. What really matters is you identify that there is a separation of you from me or other people. 
So when you, but when you have God in your life, you are a part of the body of Christ, right? So the oppression narratives is something that I could talk about. And I can also talk about the intervention narratives when I saw racism occur, what I did and what I said. So when the woman said to me, who was my kid's auntie, said, well, you know, only poor people need God. You know that, right? You know, only poor people need God, right? That's exactly the way it was said. It's like, I remember it so vividly. And I said, well, everyone needs God, whether you know it or not. So you can shine and you can feel like you're doing so good right now, but it doesn't last forever. So if you got, why can't you make everybody in the world white then? Make everybody in the world rich then. If that's the type of God that you envisioning, you know, what? so like, what, what do you mean? I, I'm not going to argue and debate about this. All it means is that we are supposed to come together. And so what, what God, this is what God told me specifically. This is what God said. If you do not know how to talk, if you do not want to communicate to make things right, God is going to cause you to fail. We have to get in a process of communicating about things so that we can get create, get corrected be teachable and move forward. So, yes, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be the members of his old household. So if, going back to me growing, if I grew up in poverty, guess what? I know poverty stories. I know oppression. There it is. So if you grew up in a white household and you are in a silent period and you are a generation of X, whatever your age group is, baby boomer age, you have to know at least one racist white person. If you don't know more than one racist white person, where were you living in? What society were you living in? If you are a white person and you grew up around other white people, if I grew up in poverty, I know other poverty people. So when have you intervened when you saw racism? That simple is that. It's like, okay, tell us what steps we could take with intervention. Tell us what steps we could take with oppression. Nobody wants to just hear about the stories. Nobody want to hear about, okay, well, just oppression here and that happened. Okay, so what, what happens when we experience that? What, what should happen? Please tell us what you did in order to resolve a situation. What was the situation? How did you resolve it? And what was the end result? And so if... There is a lack of communication, meaning that we can go through school hearing about all these oppression narratives because I honestly can say I am tired of listening to oppression. All right. Oppression narratives, oppression, oppression, oppression. Nobody wants to hear about it all the time. Let's hear about some intervention. Okay. 
So how did you intervene if you saw your family or friends acting racist? Can I hear two stories like that? Maybe one? One. Nobody. Not one per white person. Not one. Have an intervention narrative. That is the problem. That is a clear problem. If we can't be an example to other people and, and say, look, this is what happened. I experienced this. Like, I did experience a lot of different adversities with the Ku Klux Klan. I did. All the way up until the point where well, sometimes... um when my, my kids would be with their dad and they would go to see some of their family members, they would say, well, you all can't eat any food. You have to wait until the guests finish eating. You know, so they would leave. They would be invited over and then be treated wrong. And so a lot of those things was very difficult and uh, a challenging experience to endure. But what happened was the family members who are accepting of our color, they are the ones who we can work with on a regular basis. So this allows us the ability to talk about our story and tell the truth about it. Okay, yes, if you go through this experience, some people will accept you and some people will not. Work with the people who are willing to work with you. Talk to the people who are willing to talk to you. Because guess what? When you get in a position of shared power, be the person that creates the, these communication efforts that employ multicultural developments, that allow people to embark on interconnections that are transparent. Just because a person says that they're transparent and they do nothing that is transparent doesn't necessarily equate them being transparent. So going back to the word of God here and um, uh, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, it says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and for all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So God wants us to have accountability and compliance. So God wants us to have accountability compliance. Being able to deliver improvement through transforming of teaching, learning, and working environments with multicultural developments and macro levels of organization and institutional transformation. So in order for us to be transformational leaders, we need to be able to Respect the boundaries of people and develop accountability compliance. 
This should encompass excellence through continuous development. This should, there should be a continuous development of accountability compliance. So I agree with the author on the continuous development of this accountability compliance. For instance, um, we should be able to accommodate uh, levels that are beyond our tolerance. This is what the article suggests. And accommodate levels that are beyond our tolerance is saying, okay, you are now a Ku Klux Klan member. But I don't have a problem with talking to you. What is it that you dislike about minorities? Let's talk about this so we can understand your perspective. So sometimes just talking with people will allow us to plant the seed and water the seed that God wants us to water in people's life. So let's go to that Bible verse, okay? So we're going to go to... Um, Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Oh, okay. I like this. They they got the two side by side. I don't know how to set this up on Bible Gateway. Because many times I would like to look at it from the side by side um, Bible. So the one on the left is the New International Version. One on the right is the King James Version. So it says, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9, it says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. What we have to do is talk to people. That's what we're doing. When we plant the seed, we water the seed. God is the one who grow it. And in order to be able to plant a seed and water a seed, you have to be able to say it. You have to be able to communicate these efforts that is going to create a dynamic culture. So how do we do this? So let me go back. Let me stop share on here. And then I want to share the actual PowerPoint. So let me share the uh, PowerPoint again. Okay. Mom, um, hold on one second, you all. My Emery came Emery came over here. He was saying that he wanted some of the food that I made. Okay. All right. So um oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, so uh I'm I'm sorry about this, you all. Let me okay, so so the article suggests that maintaining cultural competence is often complex and convoluted, which should incorporate being able to match the social topography through shifting socio-political and socio-cultural boundaries, borderlands, and intersections. This will allow us to place emphasis on the differences that make the difference to access, process, and successes. So some people have access. The process are the activities. How are we going to cultivate others and their values? How can we allow certain programs to be able to thrive in society if we're not willing to talk to everybody? 
how do you know what a person is if you are assuming what this person think how do you know anything please explain that to me because that would be beyond a normal level of understanding if you do not communicate with a person what did you just look at them and knew what they were thinking right so we have to be able to hear a person speak because what's in the heart comes out of the mouth and if you are equipped with the holy spirit and god you'll be able to plant seeds in the ku klux klan you'll be able to plant seeds within those that are western civilization thinkers you should be able to water seeds in those people that are disenfranchised and yes don't get me wrong like having this conversation with other people in higher levels of education that may seem difficult because there are so many cultural norms that really um employ the continuation of separation nobody wants to continue to be like I, my kids will not be enduring that I, whatever it takes on my behalf to push for equality for understanding others for cultural competence for God being pushed in, in, in society and where we could hear the perspectives of everybody. I will sit here and listen to a Jehovah Witness. I listen to a Buddhist. I listen to all of them because guess what? Each and every person has something good to say. Not everybody is going to have some good insight, but it's okay for you to be able to identify. You should be able to be a thinker where God has not, your mind is not conformed to this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning that if you talk to a Buddha, a Buddhist, you get, many Buddhists are very positive people. They are. They speak positive things about people, They about groups. They are very positive focused because why? They always try to be enlightened. But the problem is with their worship. It's a polytheistic type of approach. You can have a lot of different gods. So if our God is saying, no, you can have one God, one Lord, one savior, and you worshiping all these other ones, why would you risk going to hell for that? Why would you risk that? Absolutely not. No, period. So we need to have this like ongoing personal homework that encompasses us understanding the differences that we can encompass and incorporate by giving access process and successes to everybody we do this by planting and watering the seeds so in addition to being able to continuously assess through multicultural dynamic scanning through socio-cultural lenses that encourage social engagement through power privilege and other social structures so yes, there are going to be people in power. Yes, there are going to be people that's privileged in other social structures. For instance, I don't know if you all remember, but the guy that had shot up the church, I think it was the guy that shot the movie theater and he had the red hair. And then there were another guy that shot up the church and they, when he went to Burger King. Basically what happened was they receive mass donations i was trying to find an article on it but a lot of those people were able to get donations through ph philanthropy 
So now when you think of inequality, you have to think about philanthropy. There is certain giving to certain groups of people. While there is not a lot of giving to some people. For me, I just feel like everything happens for the good of the purpose of them who love God and those that are called according to his will. And so I believe that I am not going to be dependent on nobody but God. So whatever God allows to happen is going to happen. And I am trusting the process. I actually went on now like my fourth interview this week. And before I can hang up the phone five minutes later, I was on my second interview for next week. Amen. So I, if I wouldn't have finished the interview. Um, you know, if the, the lady who was supposed to interview with me, she was out sick. So I only interviewed with one lady, which was the only supposed to be for 30 minutes long. And we were having a conversation for one hour. That interview was so incredible. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't even have to change my linguistics at all. You know how, like, when you're speaking to people, you change up the way you speak. I don't change the way my pronunciation is. And so I want to be able to work in a, a, a dynamic culture. I want to work for an organization that values its employees. I am a very hard worker. There is not one single, not one single place I ever worked that wanted me to leave. Besides the last job at Cognizant Technologies, because they did them layoffs. They even, they fired the CEO. They laid off the CEO, Brian Humphreys. <laughs> along with a lot of other people like hundreds of thousands of people and i was just like oh, i love this place but when you're working for an organization that has over three hundred thousand employees you have to really really be recognizable and i wasn't there that long to be you know that tenured i was still a contract employee so what i'm trying to say is this this new job before i even pretty much the the call was dropped in the middle of me answering the question, like we were just having a conversation. And when I tell you that I really enjoyed it because the way she explained things, it really gave me a great synopsis of what I can look forward to. It's specifically with like integrating, you know, different type of programs, software programs. And I just thought that this was so exciting. You know, and then just how open and honest she was, I was intrigued. And now I'm like, oh God. I think this is where I want to work. I didn't turn down all these jobs. I didn't turn down jobs for $200,000. I didn't turn down jobs, hundred and something. Now this job is about, it's of over 150,000 a year. So I'm pretty excited about it. I, I pray that I get it. Please pray for me because I think I want to work here. Okay. This is the, the place. There is pretty small um, group. And I, I just think I would love it and really enjoy it. So I work really hard. I always go to extra mile. Um, I'm a team player and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. Okay. So just pray for me. Um, so going back to the topic here, we need to understand that social engagement through power of privilege and social structures are imperative for us to be able to incorporate our knowledge and skills. This will provide insights to people that are in different social structures. <coughs> For instance, the LGBTQ, the Ku Klux Klan, the transgender population, you know, the Western civilization thinkers, 
those people are who are, have the strong black woman syndrome right and i'm a black woman and i'm strong but i don't think i got the strong black woman syndrome so that is when you are just overly doing too much you know no one can talk to you about certain topics and discussions you're like so angry about everything i don't want to be like that i pray that we do not continue to be that way that we could communicate and have these interpersonal type of uh conversations that will enhance the quality of communication between diverse cultures so the the article uh suggests that cultivating uh empathetic perspectives by acknowledging perceptions and meanings from a polished lens and allow reflections and interpretations that seek to discover the regular lens of others so we should understand their regular perspective like what are they norms yes we live in the american cultures for instance i i know a lot of uh immigrants quite a few as like they're very close friends of mine and so when i think about them their children are americanized so when you they go to they they go back to their country and they come back and they their kids come back it's like oh okay their kids are americanized it's nothing wrong with being americanized of course right but just think about this for instance it's wrong when you're americanized and you're not taking god on your journey why do i say it's wrong does i do it does that equate to me saying that every single belief out here besides my belief is wrong i'm going to say you are accountable you have to have accountability compliance within your life i'm not your accountability agent like i have to tell my son look i am not a, i'm not a a clean up monitor woman okay i'm not about to monitor the garbage i don't monitor clean up <laughs> if you know that your room needs to be clean your room needs to be clean i'm not a monitor i'm not a i'm not gonna micromanage the garbage being taken out i'm not gonna micro my daughter is here i'm not going to micromanage you taking the doing the dishes if you don't want to do them and you see that they're dirty i'm going to wash them and then i'm gonna say to you later oh, okay well you i see you want to help out it's okay i'm remind you you know because we should be working together it isn't just about me cooking and me cleaning we have to we all live together we coexist together in the house so we need to understand the regular lens of people that means that what are the regular lens of western civilization thinkers what are the regular lens of the ku klux Klan? what are what are the regular lens of the strong black woman individual who are actually employing the strong black woman syndrome and they don't know it they're inadvertently displaying the strong black woman syndrome all the time you can't ask them no question and for me i think that that is so like inappropriate because in order for you to understand people you have to understand a perspective and like me and my mom talk about this all the time like when we, we we talk about people with disabilities because there are people that we know that have disabilities but that when they have disability they don't have a disability to us they have diverse abilities and with that being said how do you treat a person with a disability how do you treat a person with a disability like a person like a person and so that's what we do so we have to understand that 
We need to enable the landscape that provides a dynamic culture that is culturally competent. And this can be a lifelong process. It, it can also require asymmetric power relations of privilege and other social structures. So being able to employ diversity requires an understanding of decision and deviant practices. So if you don't, how can you understand what a woman with the brown, the strong black woman syndrome is feeling if you don't understand her, her deficiency or deviant practice? If you want to say that, okay, this is a deficiency. This is a deviant type of behavior. But why does she feel that way? Have you identified that? Have you identified the whys in that approach? And if you're working with people, specifically when you're training your employees, you want to be able to identify, okay, what is the problem? You know, because like many times I talked about doing an interview specifically. This interview was so amazing, I'll tell you that. And even if I don't get the job, I just know that God is so inspiring to me. The more and more people that I interview with, I am meeting some really great, awesome people. And I just really enjoy being able to have them apart as being a part of my network through social media. So this is good. It's still, it's still a good thing to be able to network with other people. So being able to understand the why to the people that you're working with, it, you understand them when you understand their why understand their regular thinking under their regular lens it's the regular lens that they feel how do you know what this strong black woman syndrome does to strong black women i'm a strong black woman but i don't believe for not even for five seconds that i have a strong black woman syndrome i believe in supporting men my mom, she always say, well, you know, you you pay favoritism with women. She say, my mom, this is what my mama say. She say, you you pay favoritism with women. I say, how do I do that? Because she, she said that I, I have more favoritism for men than, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, no. She said, I play more favoritism with men than I do women. So what that means is that she says that. Your children. I'm doing my podcast. Okay. I'm just talking about you. I'm just talking about this. I'm talking about this right now because this is a topic. Bring your that you like wait, wait. Okay, but I don't believe that that's true. But my mom says, my mom, okay, and I'm trying to say it. That's what I'm trying to say. So my mom thinks that I play favoritism with guys more than I do girls. But really, when I when you really think about this is women was the first to be deceived in the bible so we as women we need to be more prayerful more interconnected with god going to the throne of grace more than any other thing because guess what when eve she thought let, let's go to the scripture here let me let me start to share and go back here and i'll and i'll explain this because this is also a uh, interesting fact when it comes to just women being a group within themselves so let's go let me share the screen i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go here all right so um so going here to genesis genesis and um the fall and so i was talking about this yesterday actually 
Was that yesterday, JJ? I think we were talking about that yesterday, right? Or the day before. So we we had like a long discussion about the fall. And so when you go here to Genesis chapter three and you read, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, see, you see this passage right here? When, when she says this, but God did say, so basically she's saying, but God did say, this like you saying, okay, but see, I could speed only in a slow lane or I could do speeding only in the middle lane. You're not going to get pulled over if you speed in the, the slow lane. So right now, right here in verse three, chapter three, Genesis three and three, she is starting out saying, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. See? Let me read it over again. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees and the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. So, how? You see what she's doing? She's justifying her thought right now. See, we can eat. We can eat fruit from the trees in a garden. But see, God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. So basically, she reminded the serpent of the consequence. She reminded him just like people do. Oh, you know, you could you could speed in a slow lane because the police ain't going to see you speeding in a slow lane. But they're going to see you speeding in a fast lane. That's what it sounded to me. I don't know if that sounded like that to everybody, but I'm here to tell you that that's the way that that's the way that it sounded to me. So in verse four, it says, you will not certainly die. See, this is when the serpent is confirming her thought. He identified her evil thought because he evil. You will not certainly die, the serpent says to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, prior to that, they didn't know anything about good or evil. They were just good. Verse 6, when a woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. See, this is the problem. We as women, we can't be going around just because something pleasing to your eye. No, so I have one daughter and she means everything to me. And all of my kids do. So am I more strict with my daughter than my boys? I probably am. So that's what my mama mean by I pay favoritism with the boys and not with the girls. Because my daughter, like me and my daughter have long in-depth conversations about things. 
It's important to make sure that you're going through life and you're being the woman of God who God calls you to be. Meaning that you are not walking. Ma, ma, I'm on my podcast. I will be done in a minute. I know, but I will be done in a minute. Okay. Okay, so when a woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. So it was pleasing to her eye. It was desirable to her because she could gain wisdom. And she took some and ate it. So women, we as women, what we, we the fall of woman was Eve. Because now she became the head. She took the position of her husband because he was made first before her. She took the, his position because what was pleasing to her eyes, what was desirable to her, so she ate it. So, you know, if the, if women were to be in control of everything, that is going to always be driven off what is pleasing, what's desirable to them, what's desirable to gaining wisdom. It's what's pleasing. And so we as women, we need to be able to be strong enough to resist the temptations because God doesn't tempt. Temptation comes from the, the, the lures of our own desires. Desires that are lurking within you. So when you see these things, you, you're going to understand that as a woman, we cannot continue to do things just because it's pleasing to your eyes. As a woman, we can't do things just because it's desirable. Or because you're trying to justify like Eve did and say, but God did say now. You know, we can't eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say. Like you're trying to justify your means. Who told you to do that? You can't do nothing like that. It's unethical. It's immorally wrong. If you're going to do wrong, just go ahead and do it. Quit trying to justify it. If it's already in you, it's going to be in you. So evil is in you, it's there. Okay, you got to ask God to get it out of you. So it, um, so after she, so she took some and ate it. She also, she also gave some to her, uh, her husband who was with her and he ate it. Pay attention to this. Verse 7 says, then the, eye, then the eyes of both of them were open. So she had already took some and ate it. That was the end of that. Then she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. It wasn't until he ate it that they realized that they were naked. Their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. It, it, if it was when she ate it, it would have said they realized they were naked. The man is the head. The fall couldn't take place without the head. Without the head falling. So the supporter for that man was Eve. And she supported him to be disobedient to God. So a lot of these women out here will encourage you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go out here and steal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go out here and do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. You know, 
You don't have to do that. You don't have to respect your mom. You don't have to listen to her. You don't have to do this. You don't have to save money. You don't have to do this. Oh, forget that person. Forget this person. You gonna, you know, women that's out here supporting your downfall, you don't even see it. For instance, like the people that I was just talking about, they said in the video, the guy that punched the lady in the face in the store with her 14-year-old son shot him. His girlfriend was in the store egging him on to hit her. To show her. What type of support is that? So we as women, no, we shouldn't be date, dating the men that have been contaminated with Eve's or the women that who have these strong black woman syndromes, because that's what they are. If you position yourself above the head of the house, you say you believe in God, but you don't practice the order of God. Who are you fooling? Me or you? I believe that the man ahead of every Christ is man ahead of every man is woman. That's what the Bible says. So let's go. Let's go to it. It should be in First Corinthians. 11 and 3. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. So you see that. She gave some to her husband. And that's when they realized that they were naked. It wasn't when she ate it. Because right after she ate it. They should have, she had immediately should have had showed that they were naked. Their eyes should have been open. But no, it required the man to fall. So then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They were ashamed. They wasn't ashamed of what they had done. They were ashamed of their bodies. Being exposed. It's hold on, hold on one second. Okay, um, so when we continue to look at genesis chapter three you see here they in verse eight then the, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the lord god as he was walking in the garden in the cool day and they hid from the lord so they not only rejected appearing before god they hid from god they wasn't ashamed of their actions. Like, oh, God, you know, we did what you told us not to do. Even if they didn't know anything about repentance, they should have said, God, we did what you told us not to do. Right? And so... They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So this is the first, this is the first sign that it's, they're showing their disobedience to God. 
or they not they showing a lack of remorse that's what it is the lack of remorse of what they did they actions so they showing a lack of accountability a lack of accountability a lack of remorse a lack of conviction they're not even convicted they don't feel bad instead of them running to their creator they hiding like many people do they have from their problems they're not ashamed they're gonna keep doing it over and over again no matter how many problems they create for them they lack accountability they don't care they're gonna keep doing the same thing over and over again in verse 10 he answered i heard you in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked so i hid afraid that's the knowledge in it in the of good and evil right there afraid who and, and in verse 11 and he said who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree that i commanded you not to eat from see god asked them a question who told you that you were naked nobody didn't tell them that they were naked remember that in verse if you go to verse seven then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked they realized that they were naked nobody didn't tell them that they were naked they realized it so in verse 11 it said and he said who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree that i commanded you not to eat from the man said the woman you put here with me that's a lie because the woman didn't tell him that he was naked they realized that they were so she gave me some fruit from the tree and i ate it here he go redirecting the blame on to her who told him that that was okay to lack in accountability like that you sitting here shifting the blame you scapegoating how many times you got to be lack of accountability no remorse so now the man said the woman you put here with me she gave me some of the fruit she gave me some from the tree and i ate it then the lord god said to the woman what is this you have done the woman said the serpent deceived me i ate it she ain't tell god they go another one lack of accountability she ain't tell god how she was entertaining the serpent how she was talking to the serpent how she thought it was so pleased into her eye well she ain't mentioned that to god it was pleasing and desirable she want to shift blame on to the serpent so the lord god says to the serpent because you have done this curse are you above all livestock and all wild animals you will crawl in your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and i will put enmity between you and a woman and between your offsprings and hers he will crush her head and you will strike his heel to the woman he said i will make your pains and childbearing very severe with painful labor you will give birth to children your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you to adam he said because and, and see he got this verse right here verse 16 let me explain this your desire will be for your husband he will rule over you this is not for the the submissive women the submissive wives this is a part of the curse of those women who continue to act like eve 
you're taking a place you're making him pass pass right when he ate from the right when he ate from the tree he had passivity she turned him into the woman position and then blamed the serpent and then he blamed the woman no accountability whatsoever where is their accountability compliance so your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you for this is for the women who are still practicing in the worldly perspective of maintaining eve in society now i will make your, your pain i will make your pains and shall be very very severe with painful labor you will give birth to children that's for everyone every woman but when it talks about your desire will be for your husband he will rule over you that's for the women who continue to practice and sin and who continue to allow the fall of man who continue to allow Eve's type of thinking to prosper. Like the young woman in the store that was telling her boyfriend to just beat up the woman, supporting him, egging him on, yeah, yeah, give her what she deserves. That's an Eve. To Adam, he said, because you listen to your wife, right? God is saying, you listen to this woman, you let this Eve bring you down and you ate the fruit from the tree about which God commanded you not to eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns. Right now, God is saying that the men are going to have to work hard now. When they were just giving everything. It will produce thorns and this was for you and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taking from dust you are and to dust you will return so understand this that the one man adam caused the fall of everybody jesus christ god manifested himself into the flesh so God was 100% man and God was one. It was 100% God. And you have to understand the word of God. The word John 1 and 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So when you're reading the word of God, you're going to understand how God is everywhere. And you're not going to be deceived about that. So, yes, when my mom say, you know, you play favoritism, I don't think it's favoritism. I don't have favoritism. I believe that as a woman, we are supposed to be very strong in our walking path with the Lord. You don't want to walk around here having a covenant of God with God's promises in your life. And then you fall short. Because now you didn't allow the Eve way of thinking to circum you. You learn to lack in accountability. You want to be the head. Push the man down now, right? Make him passive. 
So in order to understand the black, the strong black woman syndrome, you have to understand what they're going through in order to help them get through. Many people don't see that they have a problem. Like, how would they know that they had a problem if you never talk about it? If they never talk about it with anybody, how would they know? Usually the only way we find out if there's an issue with something is when there is a communication. It starts with communication. Like even when people are mad and upset, like how they were in the store when, when this altercation took place in the restaurant, they were arguing, they were in a communication battle. It was a communication barrier. So we as people, we need to make sure that we're not just looking at the deficiencies within other people, but we are also looking at the deficiencies within us, our deviant practices. We need to be able to analyze the access that we have, the access that other people have, the available resources. We need to check our own in inaccuracies in our invalid understandings that shape the variations of our lives. Having understanding of knowledge and the skills that are needed to empower different programs that will also provide the necessary guiding principles that allow us to be culturally competent. So this, these are all the things that we need to be able to do. Um, like for instance, if we are talking to sex offenders, sex offenders are still living in society. They might be living in your neighborhood. So if there are programs that's getting created for sex offenders, guess what? You need to be a part of that process because many sex offenders are not reporting their location. So now they're just rogue. They out here on the streets, not reporting where their location, what they're doing. And so this is so important because when you identify your biases and you let go of these different biases through understanding the cultural differences and just pay attention to what is happening within that program. How are these sex offenders being handled? Is it going to combat recidivism? Are they going to be able to stop going to jail and stop doing crime and, and stop sexually assaulting people? So if it's a program that you know that that is being created to monitor sex offenders, you need to participate in that process. Rather you say, okay, well, I don't like nothing to do with it. I don't want to have nothing. See, that is unrealistic. You need to be able to be supportive in your community, supportive in these type of programs. Basically redefining the benefits of working with people to solve problems. You can't reach conflict resolution if you don't go through the conflict to get there. Sometimes it's a conflict. Can you can you communicate? Can you use communication efforts to resolve conflict? Or does everything have to be physical and everything have to be a war? If, 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 uh, if people can't maintain their temperament, they don't need to be involved in that meeting. They're not mature enough. You're going to have people in this world that are going to be mature in levels, and they're not. But how can they train people if they themselves not teachable? You can't change what you don't identify. If I'm wrong about something, I want to talk about it. How am I wrong? Tell me about me. Maybe you're seeing something I don't. 
shed some light on me so I can understand. Wait, where, where, how you coming? So, with us being able to redefine the benefits of different programs, we it'll allow us to attenuate to these biased attitudes, even uh, possibly the prejudice, prejudice, uh, behavior, stereotyping, negative attitudes that could influence our meetings, right? So we don't want things to interfere with our inability in, in, or, or cause us to have the inability to move forward. We need to create shared powers. Are you in a, in a, a power position where you can create these shared powers? Or are you someone who can't communicate? You're not mature enough. Because society is thriving for mature thinkers. People that can communicate on all different levels. And if you're not the one for this, maybe you need to let it go and let other someone else take the wheel. Because God, right now, God is pouring out his spirit on us. And I'm going to I'm gonna go to that scripture and I'm going to um, leave it there for us tonight. I do want to finish this article though, okay? So hopefully I'll be able to do that tomorrow. So if you go to Acts chapter 2 verse 17, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. God is pouring out his spirit. Now, you either going to accept it or you not. Once we pray to God, it's left there. That's all we need to do. Allow God to allow us to be culturally competent and not interculturally incompetent. We need to understand the power of privilege of these different social structures and how they are impacting society. Once you are tired of something for so long, you want change. Many people in society want change. So be a part of that change and allow communication efforts to take place so that we can all work together collectively and understand these shared differences that we have in order to create shared power. Because God is going to prevail. You could, you could be in whatever position and power that you want. God is going to prevail in the end. All right. So let me go ahead and pray you all. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. Thank you so much for giving us your word today, God. Thank you for using me and allow me to be able to speak your word and that, you know, speak in a way that is edifying to the hearer. God, I just pray that you allow us to understand what it means to understand other people, cultures, and, and, and how our culture differs and our belief systems, God. Allow us the ability to go out here in this world, allow everybody in this world, everybody, shaking and awaking us all, God, whatever it takes, allow us to be culturally competent, allow us to understand people in these different social structures that are taking place, and God, allow us 
to have shared power. Let us communicate about things. Let us be mature enough to communicate so that we can create solutions, God, because you want us to be peacemakers. And so, God, I just ask that you please allow us to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose, God. Pivot us exactly where we need to be in order to fulfill your plan, plan, will, and purpose in our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atomic blood. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Miles Life and Health. Let's talk about it. I will continue this discussion tomorrow. I wanted to talk about the B attitudes a little bit and sort of, I guess, kind of integrate them with understanding cultural competence and how we work with other people in different social stu structures. So thank you all once again for joining me. I really appreciate it. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a good night.